Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this morning for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Friday, or excuse me, Tuesday. Hmm. Tuesday, February 6, 2024, and our catechesis today will continue in Luke's uh, Gospel, Luke 15, and the parables of the lost, today with the lost son. And uh, you might be listening or watching later in the day, that's fine. Um, If you're not watching live online, you can, of course, uh, listen online. Um, I do have conversations with uh, folks periodically and remind them about the other ways that you can uh, receive this content, um, either via podcast player, um, but if that's not your not your your scene, <laughs> um, or if you're not a big techie, um, use the call-in service. And uh, I would encourage you if you uh, bump into folks that are not technologically savvy, but they're looking for a daily devotional resource. And so much th- so much of what we have has moved online. Uh, I know that's not easily consumed, and so instead they'll just listen to I don't know some local radio, um, which may or may not be faithful to God's word. Um, this is a great way for you to be um, attentive to God's word in faithfulness and with this congregation, um, just by calling in on the phone number. Um, I should probably just put that in the chat, and so then you can uh, message it to people or relay it to people uh, who might want to take advantage of that. It actually probably is in the uh, description below. Yes, it is. All right, so you can see that in the uh, description. All right, so let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. Psalm for the week is Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let's do a meditation on the psalm. It's always helpful to bring some more context to bear here. All right. If you have coffee, now would be a good time. Have a sip. Mm, tasty. All right. Several of the psalms are inscribed as being, quote, of the sons of Korah. 
an inscription apparently designating one of the choirs in ancient, Israel's ancient temple. See 2 Chronicles 20. In fact, some of the psalms so designated are much preoccupied with that temple, whether as a place to be longed for, Psalms 41-42, or as a haven of experienced security, Psalms 55 and 47. This psalm, another such psalm of the sons of Korah, combines both of these sentiments. It commences on the note of longing, How beloved are your tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh have rejoiced in the living God. Immediately, however, the tone is transformed into one of secure resting in God's presence. For the sparrow has found herself a haven, and the turtle dove a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Sharing the psalmist's view of its symbolic propriety, generations of both Jews and Christians have loved this ancient poetic record about Palestinian birds constructing their nests in the wall niches of Solomon's temple. Isn't that beautiful? This is the endearing sight that prompts one to speak of my, my king and my God. But Solomon's famous construction, we know, was a figure passing away. For now, quote, a greater than Solomon is here, in quote, Matthew 12, verse 42, which we've been talking about at length from Ezekiel, right? The true and lasting temple of God and the term of our longing and the abode of our rest is Christ the Lord. He is, quote, greater than the temple, Matthew 12, 6. So in the psalm we pray, Give regard, O God, our protector, and gaze on the face of your Christ, or of your anointed here, verse 9. This image of Jesus as God's true temple, which provides the proper Christological key to the psalm, is indicated in the Gospel of John, John chapter 2. I've been talking about this at length. We should probably read John 2 on Sunday morning, just to refresh um, that understanding of Christ as the temple. Fairly early in that Gospel, when Jesus speaks of the destruction of the temple, the evangelist notes but he was speaking of the temple of his body, John 2, verse 21. This body of Christ in the Johannine context, John's context, is his resurrected flesh and blood, the permanent and even physical abiding place of God's presence. John will say of heaven, but I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are, in, are its temple, Revelation 21, 22. And because he is God's temple, God abides in Jesus. Jesus is the one place where we meet God, and we to abide in Jesus, being united to God in him. Quote, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them, and you in me, and that they may be made perfect in one. John seventeen twenty to 23 such is the proper Christological context for our praying of the psalm. When we say to God, blessed are those who dwell in your house forever and ever, will they praise you? We are referring to the worship offered to the Father by those who abide in Christ, both in, on earth and in heaven. So does a man feel the pangs of his exile being absent from the Lord? Second Corinthians 5, 6. Let him then cry out in the paths of, this, of his pilgrimage, blessed the man whose help is from you. He has arranged in his heart, the steps of ascent, in the veil of tears, to the place to be determined. Let him pray, O Lord God of hosts, listen to my prayer, give ear, O God of Jacob. Or, does a man want with all his heart to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord? Again, Second Corinthians 5.8. Let him then put his trust in God, for the giver of the law will also give blessings. Let him bear in mind that the Lord loves mercy and truth, God will give grace and glory. Right. So you can hear how the author is um, using this psalm to respond to uh, Paul's rhetorical questions from 2 Corinthians 5, questions that beg an answer. All right. 
Or do true disciples grown weary on their pilgrimage feel discouraged in the journey? Let them know that they shall proceed from strength to strength. The God of gods will be seen in Zion. Let them be assured that the Lord will withhold no good things from those who walk in innocence. And finally, do the travelers encounter those temptations attendant on their exile and the sin which so easily ensnares us? Hebrews 12.1 Let them never forget that one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. With all their heart and all their mind, let them say, I would choose to be ignored in the house of God rather than to lodge in the tents of sinners. You can hear how the psalm is uh, a wonderful answer, a lovely answer uh, to the longing desires of our heart in this life. All right. And then to confession and absolution, our verse for the week. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. Psalm 130, verses 3 through 5. And our catechism for the week is confession. What is confession? Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins, and second, that we receive absolution, that is, forgiveness from the pastors, from God himself, not doubting, but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. What sins should we confess? Before God, we should plead guilty of all sins, even those we're not aware of, as we do in the Lord's Supper. Excuse me, Lord's Prayer, sorry. But before the pastor, we should confess only those sins which we know and feel in our hearts. Which are these? Consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Are you a father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, or worker? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, uh, excuse me, dis- disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? Have you been hot-tempered, rude, or quarrelsome? Have you hurt someone by your words or deeds? Have you stolen, been negligent, wasted anything, or done any harm? All right. So, uh, our first reading is from Jeremiah chapter 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers and the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. How's that for a lovely promise, huh? And then Luke chapter 15. All right, and it's the first part of the uh, the story of the lost son, sometimes called the prodigal son, uh, which maybe isn't super helpful <laughs> since we don't know what that means. All right, then he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided them or to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion 
and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Terrific, huh? All right. So remember, um, three parables of lostness here in Luke chapter 15. Um, and uh, rather than think of it as lesser to greater, I would th- I want you to think of it in terms of a, of a spiral, spiraling out, so that it starts simply and it becomes all the more encompassing as it goes out. All right? So that we learn more and more about the gift of, uh, of the forgiveness we have in Christ Jesus. All right. So how many sons does the man have? Again, to understand more of what's happening here, two sons. Those two sons connect us back to the beginning of the chapter. Remember um, the context of Jesus speaking in parables. Of course, this, that seeing they would not see and hearing they would not hear, except for, for you it's been given to know the, um, the secrets of the mystery mysteries, right? Of the kingdom of God. Um, but he's speaking to tax collectors and sinners who's co- who have come to hear him, all right? And then, um, but then also in a kind of a backhanded way, also to the Pharisees and scribes, um, who are grumbling because he this man eats or excuse me receives sinners and eats with them you see all right so um, we have the two sons and the two sons are going to correspond to the two audiences that he's speaking to right this is clearly um, the younger son is clearly the uh, uh, the tax collectors and the sinners right and the other group will be the older son which we'll meet tomorrow um, or the Pharisees and scribes all right so the younger son asks the father. Well, for what? Give the, me the portion of goods that falls to me, or my share of the estate, or my inheritance. In effect, die, drop dead, give me, give me your livelihood, my portion of your livelihood. And he does. He also gives to the older son, gives to them his livelihood. So the older son gets his portion here too. Um, this is a, an absurd demand, isn't it? I mean, um, inheritance is a gift. All right. Does the older son get anything? Of course, yes. As I said, all right, so let's, but we'll pay attention today to the younger son. We'll come back to the older son tomorrow. The uh, younger son, he goes to a far country, all right? So this is akin to the sheep wandering, right? And there wastes um, or squanders his wealth on prodigal or wild living, right? So what a waste. Everything's gone, all right? Uh, which lands him into the pig pen, um, feeding pigs. Significance of pigs, of course, or swine is that they are unclean animals. So not only is he in a foreign land, but he's also dwelling amongst the unclean. And think of Ezekiel here. The uh, unclean and the holy cannot be mixed. All right? Can't come near each other. But severe famine arises in the land. And, uh, of course, he wants to eat the pods that the pigs were eating. All right. So um, the question would be, how would a Pharisee or a scribe respond to this story so far? They would have been scandalized, greatly offended at even the thought of someone wanting to eat the food that belongs to unclean animals. All right, so you notice how scandalized they should they would be of this younger son and what he has done, akin to the scandal of the tax collectors and sinners, right? Okay. Um, notice what happens when he senses or comes to himself. He's brought to his senses. I would say even made alive again, right? Or the knowledge of his sin has been brought to him. He remembers his father's house. Notice he remembers his father's house and he remembers his father. He still calls him father, despite the fact that he, in effect, told him to die. <laughs> um, notice he's willing to confess. I have sinned before heaven and before you. Um, but there is a problem with his sonship. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now that's true, but that's not the basis of sonship. Yeah. 
So he wants to wants him to make him like one of his hired hands. All right. Um, it's a it's a kind of confession, but there's there's something lost here, right? All right. So, um, yeah. So he's he he comes from the far country back home, um, and his father sees him right as he's coming, and he goes out and uh, he embraces him and kisses him on the neck. All right. So what 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 is it that actually brings back um, the prodigal um, to his father and to his home? It's actually the love and compassion of the father that draws him home. Um, you also see mercy, even that his higher servants uh, receive bread. I suppose like crumbs from the master's table, perhaps connection there. Notice that um, the father refuses to let him say, uh, "Make me one of your hired servants." Uh, it almost as if the father interrupts him and says, "Bring out the best robe." Or maybe it's the compassion of the father that compels the son to not even make such an absurd claim. He already knows he's been received back. The father gives to his son um, the robe and the ring and the sandals. This is uh, likened to Joseph, I suppose, right? With the robe of many colors. And then we have uh, the fatted calf is killed for a feast. Of course, a fatted calf is, brings to remembrance the sacrifice of Christ, which of course is directly, well, it's the, uh, it's the source of our absolution of our forgiveness. And in the church, of course, a feast of forgiveness. That's the Lord's Supper, isn't it? Right? And notice what he says about the son. My son who is dead is alive again. So we have death and resurrection being connected to forgiveness here. He was lost and is found. All right. How's that? So remember the angels rejoice over one sinner who repents. So also here, um, the father um, and his household rejoice at one sinner who repents. A son who is lost and is found, who is dead and is made alive again. All right, so we have also um, the proper response of the church, right, to a sinner repenting is to rejoice, not to hold grudges against them. This is always uh, the danger of that um, if you bring someone's sins to their remembrance uh, to forgive them, and then they actually confess, and then you have to absolve them. We talked about this with Jonah. Jonah goes and he preaches repentance, and then the people actually put on sackcloth and ashes, including um, the king, and then Jonah has to forgive them. <laughs> well, it's a great gift. Um, we should rejoice in it, right? Um, but I suppose we get in, I get, we get in the way of that sometimes. All right, isn't that a lovely story so far? All right, we're going to hear the rest of it tomorrow, and so we'll summarize it tomorrow. Um, but you'll note all sorts of parallels to our life together as Christians, right? Um, but in the background are the Pharisees and scribes, or in this context, the older son. So we'll have to deal with their reaction tomorrow. All right, let's sing our hymn for the week. From depths of woe I cry to thee.
God, the strength of all who put their trust in you, mercifully grant that by your power we may be defended against all adversity. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Merciful Father, you promised us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As I come before you for confession and absolution, teach me to consider my place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Work in me true contrition and repentance. Give me a desire to live a new life. Help me to know, confess, and to confess my sin truthfully. As I receive my Savior's forgiveness, comfort my conscience, renew my life, strengthen my faith in him, and restore to me the joy of your salvation. All this I ask for the sake of my dear Lord Jesus Christ, who died for me and shed his blood for me upon the cross for the forgiveness of all my sins. Amen. We pray for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and depressed, and for those struggling with sin. Pray for the households of our church, especially that of Randall, John and Linda, Timothy and Amber, Rachel, Garrett and Jenny, Ron and Janet. Pray in thanksgiving for the gift of healing for Wendell. Pray for all our catechumens uh, this day with Wyatt, James, Aaliyah, Cole, Lydia, Charlie, Kaylee, Kimberly, Mason, and Kayla. Pray for all uh, the ill, those who are receiving treatment, and those who are recovering, especially Ralph, Allison, Joe, Dennis, Len, Christopher, Brad, and Ron. Carol, Mike, Doug, Donna, Sandy, Owen, Vicki, BJ, Jolene, President Willie. Pray for our homebound, Marcy, Dan, Lenore, Joan, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, and Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially this month with Sheboygan Lutheran High School, our mission of the month. We pray for the ongoing work of Peace Valley Lutheran Church in Green County, a new mission start. We also inter- intercede um, on behalf of our school, who uh, sends out, is going to send out a mailing and uh, looking for new enrollees for next year. And of course, we're looking uh, for Jesus to gather his lost sheep of Sermon Center back into his flock and that he would use us uh, to accomplish that work as he sees best. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, 
that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, that's our congregation of prayer for today. Um, Tuesday, that's right, February 6, 2024. I have no idea why I think it's Friday. Uh, and I come to you each morning streaming live, or you can listen throughout the day, or the days thereafter, catch up, read, listen to a couple days in a row if you have to, right? Via podcast um, or via the phone, phone-in service, all right? Share that link or any of the links down below with your family or friends, and um, yeah, that'd be great. All right, so Lord be with you all. Keep you safe. We'll see you again soon. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.